from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday. <coughs> Excuse me. January uh, 22nd, my half birthday, the year 2018. I'm just the day after the AFC and NFC championship games. Thank you, Danny, for celebrating my half birthday with me. Oh, congratulations, man. Yes, it's a huge day. For those of you who don't know Danny, he... he um, I think I'm putting it right by saying you are not one to go crazy over birthdays, half birthdays, quarter birthdays, or anything in between. It's just another day of the year, right? After 21, all you're doing is celebrating getting older. I mean, 30s around the corner for, uh, I bet, a lot of you listeners and myself and myself, and I don't want to think about it too much. There you go. All right. Um, This is going to be the first of many podcasts involving the Super Bowl. Um, and just so that you guys know the lay of the land here, here we are, January 22nd. Tiger Woods returns this week at the Farmers Insurance Open. We're going to have a golf podcast, I believe, on Wednesday. We're going to have this podcast with Danny this week. We're going to have Danny back next week to preview the Super Bowl. We've got a, a Patriot fan who's going to come on the show. I have an Eagle fan who I'm trying to get on the show. Uh, we've got the Sunday Sprint, of course, on Super Bowl Sunday itself. So, there's a lot uh, to unpack, and there's a lot of podcasts coming up in the pipeline from me um, of varying lengths. This one won't be very long, um, involving the NFL and golf as Tiger Woods returns at the Farmers Insurance Open. Let's take the games in order. Uh, Jags, Pats, look, the, the Jags gave the Pats everything they wanted early on. Um, they were able to move the ball. They were able to play well offensively. Um, the Patriot defense was not stopping them. Brady and company were not off, but a little bit off kilter, um, especially in the first quarter. And then, boom, end of the second quarter, end of the second half, and especially that fourth quarter, Tom Brady and company woke up. Yeah, I mean, we highlighted last week, you know, the biggest thing that Jackson had to do is not turn the ball over. And be successful on third down, both offensively and defensively. And I think at one point, the pass for one of ten or two of 13, something like that, on third down, and the Jags are converting at a high rate on the offensive side of the ball, and, and you're sitting there thinking, you know, when are the Pats going to get it going, or are the Jags really going to pull this off, and, you know, I, I said last week 28-14 would be the score, um, as the week progressed, and I started thinking about the game more, and talking to people about the game, I envisioned the game eventually coming down to, you know, that 2011 AFC Championship game where it was 23-20 when they played the Ravens. And we got a similar game, you know. Jacksonville was very methodical on offense. Uh, did play action, short passes, a lot of crossing routes. They used a lot of bunch formation. Um, when the Pats were playing man-to-man, they adjusted in the second half, playing more of a zone, um, getting them in third down and long. And, uh, and I think one of the biggest plays of the game everybody's talking about that passing appearance that the Jags were getting robbed and this and that, but how about that offense? 55 seconds left, up 14, 10, three timeouts, two timeouts, and kneeling, and just giving the, you know, just waving the white flag saying, you know, we're comfortable with it. That is the biggest mistake you could have made in the game where you know you need to score points. It's just so frustrating watching these teams go up to Gillette play the Patriots. You need 25 to 30 points to beat this team, and yet they were comfortable with 14-10 at halftime when they were controlling the game. You know, two penalties on that drive, and the pass touchdown. But overall, like, they were killing them in the first half, and 
I think they took their foot off the gas, and that's the worst thing you can do against a team like the Patriots. And then obviously the uh, some time by taking your foot off the gas, you had the, you then end up much later in the game. That delay, game penalty, and everything that just swung the momentum. Eventually, back to New England side just just changed everything. Because in in the latter part of the game, Jacksonville was just out of rhythm. Yeah, I mean, I was watching that game. I was never really concerned about the Pats being able to turn it on or get some points. You know, my, my biggest thing watching that game is can Jacksonville sustain the drives? Even if they weren't sustaining the drives and getting points off of them, were they going deep down the field? Were they taking time off the clock? Were they putting the Patriots in long situations, meaning that they could go 80, 85 yards to floor? And then it flipped. The Pats, even when they got stopped, they were getting stopped around the line, sitting the Jacks deep. The Jacks had no answer. When every time the ball was inside the 20, you know, you had a feeling it could be three and out. A couple punts. Uh, I think that last punt of the game, you know, the Pats got the ball at the 40-yard line at Jacksonville, and right there you had to know, well, Pats at least got three points on the board right here. If they take a lot of time off the clock, going to overtime, or they're going to win the game. Uh, they scored a lot of time left on the clock, but Jacksonville just was not aggressive enough in the second half. And, um, look, you know, you're up there, you know it, the, a lot of Pat fans did not like the, the uh, Stephon Gilmore contract, but uh, there he is, makes a play in, 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 in the fourth quarter uh, to, to, to seal it with that little tip. Sometimes one play can make it all worth the money. Yeah, I mean, that was a great play by him. You know, initially watching it, I was like, wow, he got away with Pat's interference on that play. But on the replay, it was, you know, you saw that he got up. And he he was off the floor a good, you know, four or five feet to get up and, and hit that ball. It was, it was a tremendous play. Um, if there was one knock on Jacksonville, again, it was not, you know, they don't have the play vertically to, to really threaten you. And that was one of the few shots they took in the game that there was a chance for them to make the play, and the Patriots made a better one. You've been talking with our friend Danny here. This is off your chest, teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling. Um, when Gronk went out, I mean, look, Brady had to, had to readjust. And for my money, the two touchdowns uh, uh, Danny Amendola made, and on that one drive, he had, what, four catches on that drive? Um, he really stepped up as the prime receiver, and Jacksonville could not find a way to stop him, especially on those short, sh- 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 uh, sorry, shortage routes where he just started darting around. Yeah, I mean, Amendola, for you know, what's worth in his regular season in the playoffs, I think he's probably the number one wide receiver, to be honest with you. If you go back to 2014 when they won against Seattle and, you know, moving forward, he's always been in the right spot and comes up with key third down catches. And, um, you know, I read something interesting on that third down 18. Um, the Pats had uh, three wide receivers, Dwayne Allen inside the formation, and James White motioned back to the backfield. And... What they did was they sent all the receivers on vertical routes and James White to the flat. And two defenders went with James White in the flat, leaving the middle of the field wide open. And all Danny Amendola did was run a deep dig and sit right in front of the safety for 20 yards. And again, if you're Jackson, I'm like, where is the aggressiveness? You know that they get to the six. They're probably not going to go much further than that. you got to play at the six and then make them beat you. And I thought in that play, the Pats were at least going to try to get 10 to 15 yards, they can set themselves, set themselves up for a good fourth down conversion, but they got it all in one play, and, you know, the rest was written, you know, right after that. They went down and scored and won the game. Did you think Brady's uh, injury hampered him at all? I mean, uh, the, everything with the Patriots seems to always get the more attention. I mean, 
They do it to themselves and sense. You know, you and I were talking about the other day. You go to a press conference, and you're wearing two gloves on your hand, and, uh, you know, you come in, it's clearly you're, you're hiding something, or you're doing something to, to draw attention to it, and he comes out and it's like, you know, I don't want to talk about it. We'll see if I play. And then he gets on the field, and he's stretching, and he's saying, you know, get the cameras off this fucking field. And, you know, he, he does a lot to himself, you know, if it were me. And, and I, I was one that got hurt. I would just come out, yeah, I got hurt. Um, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to play. I'm going to be out there on the field for my team. But, you know, he he does a lot of it to himself. And the Pats do a lot of this type of media coverage to himself. So, um, you know, I, I love Brady. I love watching him play. He's a generational talent. We'll never see it again. But he's a weird dude. And, uh, you know, you know what else is going to come up in the past this, you know, next two weeks that, that we're all talking about? Who knows? But, you know, he's a weird dude. It's been highlighted. And, um, I get it, he's competitive, and he doesn't want to give anybody an edge or, or whatever, but in this day and age, everything's going to come out, and uh, I was reading something else, too, that said he had three stitches, then I reported that he had four stitches, then he had six stitches, and he had 12 stitches. You know, what is it? You know, like, let's just be a little honest with the, with the people out there and, and tell them what's going on, but, you know, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day. Hand or, or hand injury or not, he still cocked him up pretty good at, in the second half. Um, okay, now we move to the NFC Championship game. Philly's going to the Super Bowl. <coughs> Excuse me, I admittedly did not see a ton of this game. I was watching golf, but Minnesota drove right down field, got the you know got the first uh, score there on a touchdown to Rudolph, and then a pick six changed things, and lo and behold, the Eagles just ran away with it. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings' start was um, was as much as you could hope for if you're a Vikings fan and the team. They, they moved down there with relative ease. They had the running game going, the short passing game going. And then, you know, subsequently they stopped them on three and out when the Eagles got the ball. And you're like, okay, well, this is going to be a, a defensive game, really, even though Minnesota scored. And like I said, that pick six, too, they really changed the momentum of the game. Um, you know, that fumble when they had a chance to make it 14-10 or 14-14 really changed the game. And, you know, hats off to Nick Foles. He was, he was perfect in the second half, legitimately perfect. 11 for 11, perfect QBR, perfect reading. And, you know, he, he came out in some plays that he thought he was going to get sacked and he's bombing the ball 60 yards downfield for a touchdown. So, you know, he played the game of his life and, uh, you know, they were able to, to capitalize and, and go from there. Um. As a Giant fan now, Pat Shermer is officially the next head coach. Are you upset over what you saw yesterday? I mean, not, not really. I mean, at the end of the day, Minnesota is a team in general that they need to have a big lead. And I think um, uh, there was a stat thrown out there yesterday that that was the first time that their defense uh, or, or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact stat, but it was in 14 quarters of, of play, this is the first time that they had given up a first quarter touchdown or something like that. And um, they were on their heels all game, you know. Those run pass options that, that Philly were running were as clear as today, at, at, from my perspective, that they were running. And, you know, they were running simple, simple plays where they were doing, you know, in shotgun, running back on the right or left, whatever side the running back was on, right behind that they were running a slant. And they're just worried so much about Nick Foles potentially running with the ball. And I just don't get how it's because of the coordinator. You're worried about Nick Foles running with the ball. They should just play underneath coverage on those slant routes and crash the opposite side and, and you know, force them to, to make deeper throws. But at the end of the day, 
third down conversions, I say it every time I watch a game or for a team, whatever it might be, third down is where you got to get off the field and stay on the field. Minnesota was historically good on third down this year, and the one game they were bad was this game, and you, know, you can't get off the field, you can't give your offense the ball. They're down 31-7, and that's not an offense that's going to be able to put up 24 points in one half. And that is how they came to the uh, Eagles and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And uh, we will have you back, Danny, next week to talk about it. Thank you, sir. No problem, man. Look forward to it. That is off your chest, this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you later in the week.